It is late afternoon, and papal galleys are becalmed under a scrubbed blue sky. They had left Piombino with the dawn, pushed on by a temperamental wind that changed its mind too often for comfort, until it deserted them entirely, leaving them to drift like dreamers rocked on a gentle sea. To starboard, the Tuscan coast is a thick charcoal line on the horizon. The two vessels are separated by a hundred yards, Pope Alexander behind, Cesare Duke Valentine in front. Despite the cold, Alexander, swaddled in furs on deck, is greatly enjoying himself. A magnificent trip this has been, a pope embraced by his people, from hermit monks with stinking breath to hosts of pretty women eager to kiss his robes and hang on his every word. He could happily have stayed longer, but Cesare, as ever, is pushing the pace. Alexander would relish another sunset over the water, though it could scarcely rival the one that had accompanied them into Piombino Harbour five days before. Despite a lifetime in ill-lit rooms thrashing out church politics, this bear of a man still has wonder in him when it comes to nature, and had watched entranced as the sun descended slowly into the sea, like a giant red-hot metal disc pulled by some powerful lodestone beneath the surface. Such delight he had felt at his own flourish of poetry. He should leave Rome more often. Even the Prince of Christendom deserves a little leisure amid the burden of work. On the galley in front, Cesare is less even-tempered. Italy's most feared warrior is not at his best on water. When the weather is benign, he is uncomfortable with the infinity of emptiness, and when the wind rises, slicing the sea and making the deck lurch beneath his feet, his stomach lurches with it. To be at the mercy of his own gut is a humiliation that can easily shade into aggression. What he needs is a little danger to get his nerves singing louder than his innards. He crosses to the port deck where the captain is standing, studying the western sky. He places himself next to the man, bracing his legs and resting one hand on the rail in unconscious imitation. What do you see out there? Nothing, my lord, only weather. Burned bronze with a bush of black curls, the man looks as if he has been hewn out of a trunk of Indian ebony. If it wasn't for the papal insignia on his back, one might take him for some kind of infidel. What weather? There is none. If it stays this calm, we will be stranded here all night. Why aren't we using the oars still? The oarsmen are tired. They need a rest, the captain says, his eyes never wavering from the horizon. The air is still, not even a hint of breeze. Apart from the lazy slap of water against wood, it feels as if the world has stopped moving. Cesare falls silent, squinting out into an endless nothing. His only experience of such stillness is the anticipation on a battlefield before the first cannons are fired. Could it be that there are sails somewhere out there, just beyond his eye's reach? Is that what the captain is seeing? These last days his thoughts have been running on piracy, stories of how the citizens of his new state of Piombino and the island of Elba live in constant fear of attack from infidels, descending out of a clear sea, overrunning villages, slaughtering the men and carrying the screaming women and children back to their ships. Years later one might hear of children taken in this manner, coming up for sale at the slave market in Venice, and finding their way into a house where, through the mist of time, they would recognize the lilt of a mother's lullaby, or words of the Lord's Prayer, though by then they worship only heathen gods. At this point in the retelling, 
his father's eyes had been glistening with pity. Cesare, in contrast, had been boiling with fantasies of revenge. My God, how he would like to take them on, to slice open their pagan Turkish bellies and set fire to their sails halfway to Constantinople. If their galleys were to appear on the horizon now, they would see what even a handful of Christian warriors could do. He has already studied the guns mounted on the hull, knows their range and capacity, and has quizzed the crewmen on the business of aiming over water. He would like to see the damage done when a cannonball rips through a wooden hull. Had not his namesake, Caesar, taken on a whole Egyptian fleet and sunk it into the depths? Or was that Emperor Augustus? Recently, his grasp of history is becoming blurred inside the accelerated creation of his own myth. Do pirates sail this far south? We are in no danger, Duke Valentine. The papal galleys are built to outrun anything on the sea if the men put their backs to it. We wouldn't stand and fight? No. Afraid of a few infidels? Fear is not the issue, my lord, he says evenly. A ship's captain shares command with no one, and he is finding it hard to conceal his dislike for this young papal bastard who thinks he knows better than everyone around him. It is the value of the cargo we are carrying. A cockroach skids across the boards close to their feet. Cesare, an expert at detecting criticism in compliment, stamps fast, relishing the crunch. Why don't you steer closer to the shore and launch the rowing boat? Corvetto can't be far away. My men and I could be back in Rome by morning. It is not safe, my lord. The coast here has hidden reefs. The boat could be blown onto them. By what? The sea's as flat as a nun's chest. Now, yes, the captain says, his attention also on the deck and the sight of a second cockroach scuttling wildly. But in these waters it can change without warning. Behind it comes another and another. Your vermin have good sea legs, Cesare says angrily as his boot comes down again. Or maybe they too are bored with waiting. The captain, ignoring the insult, lifts his eyes back to the horizon and moves off quickly down the boat. Has he sensed it already, this man who knows the sea better than the body of a best-loved mistress? What is it? A certain tang in the air? A muscle movement of water in the distance? Or perhaps the cockroaches have told him, for God often gives unexpected gifts to his most despised creations. Whatever it is, he knows they will not outrun it on the manpower of these oarsmen. He has never seen such a scrawny bunch of galley slaves. He sends a message to the sailor in the crow's nest to unfurl a flag, requesting that the Pope's boat make up speed to join them. It would be safer if the two vessels were closer together. <laughs>